Thanks for joining this week's edition of Primetime Previews, where Fudd and I discuss the Week 9 primetime games, even though I'm not entirely sure it is Week 9. Then we move forward to Week 10 as we look ahead to the Thursday night game tonight with the Chargers going to the Raiders, then the Vikings and the Cowboys, and last, the Seahawks traveling to San Francisco. Without further ado, I'm going to send you on over to Fudd and I talking Primetime Previews. How's it going, Fud? Well, hello, Tyler Pearson. How are you, my man? Oh, I'm doing great. Absolutely excited for this week. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I am very excited, like you said, to talk about football and for what's coming up. Um, because we have a pretty exciting game, like we just talked about. Um, or a couple games coming up. So... Why don't we just start with the past week's uh, Thursday night game, which was the 49ers versus the Cardinals, in which the 49ers won. And it was kind of uh, the thing that I remember from it, because it was a 28-25 to victory for the Niners, is that I predicted that the Cardinals would not cover. They were, I think they were 10.5-point underdogs. I said they wouldn't cover. Or, no, they were 10-point underdogs. And then Kyler Murray threw a late second or a last, like, fourth quarter touchdown, even though it wasn't going to win it. So it lost a lot of people money. But the one thing that has surprised me a lot about Arizona, and, you know, this maybe isn't so much about this game, but is the fact that I thought Arizona was going to be a lot worse than they really are. And maybe it was just me thinking that the air raid just couldn't exist in this, you know, pro league or that this coach who had failed in previous uh, areas would not succeed in this time around yet again. Um, But the Cardinals have proven me wrong. Um, What do you think about the Cardinals, Fudd? I mean, I don't think they're a very good football team. Um, Yes, they've pulled things together the past couple weeks, but all around there's so many holes in that team that, no, they're not very good. Um, and the score of their football game against the 49ers was pretty deceiving. Yeah, if the final score was 28-25, but that that didn't that wasn't the score of the entire game. The 49ers offensively controlled the scoreboard the entire time. It wasn't until like the last three minutes of the game, the last six minutes of the game, maybe they put together 11 points and made the score look like it was competitive. But it wasn't when the 49ers got the ball back and the end of the game like two minutes left they just ran the clock down and like it wasn't like it came down to a field goal to win like the score showed the 49ers controlled that game um but yeah back to your point no I, I'm not impressed with the Cardinals and I wasn't impressed with them against the 49ers their offense their offense stepped up and exposed some holes on the 49ers defense I think but all around no I'm not impressed with that football team I am impressed with 49ers however that is the next thing I want to get at is because, as you now know, and everyone knows, they're the last remaining undefeated team. And the two teams that, besides the Saints, who were on a bye, so they don't count, but the Patriots and the Packers, who were uh, at, the, you know, at the same level in a lot of people's minds as the 49ers, both took big hits while the 49ers continue to remain undefeated, is – is in your opinion now, right now, you've watched Jimmy G. I think the biggest thing, though, let's actually, let's go to Jimmy G in a little bit. One thing that's really surprised me has been Richard Sherman. And he's had a resurgence in terms of how well he's been. And now we're seeing a lot of old Richard Sherman where he's getting this press and he's getting the ability to use his, um, his length and his speed. And on top of it, like he's just a playmaker, and when he gets the mic in front of him, he's just a lot of sm- talk or smack talk, I should say. You know, what have you seen from Richard Sherman in this in, the, in like this year? Do you think that he's at the level that he was, or do you think that he could get? Do you think he's like not there yet, or what? No, Richard Sherman's always gonna be Richard Sherman. He's a born leader, and he's gonna play like that. He'll step up and lead the football team when he needs to. And we saw that this week when he was playing. Um, and even after the game in his uh, press conference, I don't know if you saw it, but 
the dude was grumpy. The dude was pissed off. And when they asked him about how the defense performed, he let him know what like exactly uh, how he felt about that defense. I mean, they gave up what 350 yards to Arizona. Like that's not good. They they played bad. Um, what I'm gonna have to try to find this quote that he said because. He called out the defense. He was not happy with the way they performed. And uh, he pretty much said, thank goodness our offense. Uh, hold on here. Yeah, here's a quote. We're part of it, at least. He says, Thanks good our, thank goodness our offense uh, executed. Um, and then he goes on about it. It's not about the process. Uh, it's exciting the way it's supposed to be. But, yeah, pretty much he's, he wasn't happy with the way their defense played. And, uh, he stepped up and played big dog that game because he had a good game. You know, that's kind of what has been surprising about him, I think, because what I when he left Seattle, it was because he was injured and the scheme around him schematically had had just deteriorated. <laughs> so there was no there was no the cover three shell they used to be able to run. They didn't have another bump and run corner or an aggressive corner. And Earl Thomas had had faced some injuries as well. And so he just wasn't as formidable. And I thought that, you know, when a corner, you know, has an ankle injury, such as he, I think he actually Achilles injury or something that he was going to regress and not get back to the level that he is. But now to see that he's leading a team, like you said, and, and in the aspect, not only athletically and like, playing to the level that you know a star corner a shutdown corner needs to be but he's also doing it in such a you know a vocal way and even calling out even in a win when they win only by three points and they're still eight no like that's not good enough they've been blowing teams out and even though it's a divisional game the arizona cardinals should not be in this game back to jimmy garoppolo i asked you i think last week is jimmy garoppolo legit i'm asking you again this week is he legit I mean, what? The dude's stats, 317 passing yards, four touchdowns. He had a QBR of 95.3. Yeah, he played legit. He played really good. Um, (laughs) And like Richard Sherman said, thank goodness he did because he won that football game for the team. Um, He was was the strong point this week when weeks passed, I said it was the defense. So I think now this kind of – you think this shuts people up? Because right now it seems that Jimmy Garoppolo is not on anybody's radar. I mean, granted, hasn't had the numbers, but anytime you're leading an 8-0 team, you should at least be getting some media exposure. And all I've heard from him is that he is the thing that's weighing them down. Do you think this silences the narrative moving forward and people will start thinking of him as like he is a legit guy or will they need to see more games from him? Uh He's always been a quiet guy in the media. We've never heard uh, too much about him. We did in the off season, but that wasn't about football. That was about him going on dates with porn stars. Um, <laughs> so he he's gonna, wow. he's gonna. I think he's gonna keep quiet about the about what he's doing statistically, and he's just gonna let the wins show how good of a quarterback he is because that's what we've seen from him so far. Um, I mean, because when he got traded to, because I saw a stat the other day. When he got traded to the 49ers, they were 0 and 8 or maybe 1 and 8. I can't remember at the time. And then I think they were uh 0 and 8 at the time. And now that he's been there for what? He was hurt last season, so this is his first full healthy season. Um he's 8 and 0, so I, yeah, I think he's legit cuz that that franchise was 0 and 8 at the time and now they're 8 and 0. And they really haven't got a whole <laughs> lot of football games out of him cuz he's been hurt. Yeah, and he's looked pretty good, at least in some aspects of when he has been on the field for the team. Emmanuel Sanders in his second game gets seven catches for 112 yards. Uh, This guy is going to obviously get better, right? Is in a system where George Kittle got six for 79 in a touchdown. Thank you, George Kittle, even though I lost this week. You are always (laughs) a fantastic player on my fantasy team. Emmanuel Sanders, I think, is going to start becoming the linchpin and then George Kittle's going to be the safety valve, and they're both guys are going to help each other out. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're going to become a dynamic duo, the three of them. Because uh, usually when you hear about an offensive combo, it's a wide receiver, quarterback, running back. But they don't really have 
uh, they have a running back by committee. So the, that's going to be the three offensive stars we hear is Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, and Garoppolo because they're going to um, – they're only learning the chemistry. Like that was, what, game two? So they're only going to get better, I think. <clears throat> one one so, note I had about this game, though, because uh, last week we talked about Kenyon Drake getting traded to them and <laughs> what he was going to do. And I said I don't think he was going to do much because, heck, he's he's not really going to know their system. I was wrong. Kenyon Drake, he played great, man. He had, what, 110 yards on 15 carries. His very first carry was 30 – it was 36 yards. And uh, very first carry with the Cardinals. And then his season-long carry with all the games he played with the Dolphins was 11. So, <laughs> I was wrong. I think he's going to be a really important part to their offense. Yeah, I think the big thing that, uh, like I was saying kind of earlier, that really – so, let me okay, let me – let me just get into it. I thought that Cliff Kingsbury and his college offense would not work simply because I was kind of in the hive mind that um, college offenses couldn't work. I was being stupid for the fact that I thought schematically, even if it was used with the pro players, it just wouldn't work on the level of how it – of just on the level of – communication and just broad span of all the different aspects of it. Now I've been proven wrong and I'm, I'm glad I'm okay to admit that because what he has done with Kyler Murray, who I still don't necessarily know if he's a great quarterback, but he's protected him except for the fact that he's been getting destroyed in sacks He's protecting him in how his plays are developed for him. He's a rusher. He throws the ball on the run. He's very, he's got, you know, he's ballsy. He's going to throw it deep and now has a formidable running attack every single game. I mean, you look at it, it was originally David Johnson, then David Johnson gets hurt, and then I think his name was Chase Edmonds, had a crazy game a couple weeks ago, and then he gets hurt, and what do they do? They trade for Kenyon Drake, who, like you said, had 11 yards as his best run for the Dolphins, and albeit, even though the Dolphins are tanking, I'm sure he could have been better on a team. No one expected him to go for 36 yards on his first carry, which was blowing it out and then go over 110 on 15. The Cardinals aren't good this year, but I honestly don't necessarily see why they couldn't be good next year if they especially have a high draft pick. That's kind of my whole thing about it. Oh, yeah. I, I think once they build chemistry as a coaching staff, and cause there's a lot of young players, and there's also veterans there that uh, – I don't know. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of leadership out of them, but I also don't follow the Cardinals. So I, I think once they build chemistry together, that's uh, – yeah, that will be a good team because they were a good team a couple years ago. But now they got young players. I think they need to figure it out still. Yeah, I mean, this is basically the the big thing for the Cardinals this year, I feel like, is figure out if if uh, Kingsbury can really run a team. And he's kind of proven that he's been able to do it. Now, granted, they haven't won a lot of games. But still, it's not – they were never really expected to. They were expected to be a lot worse than they are now. I don't know anybody that expected to have three wins going in right now to week um, nine, I think is what is that, – that's what we're going into, correct? Week nine right now coming uh, up? Week 10. Well, week 10, wow. I've, man, tell you, man, it's the long week's been getting to me. Um, I don't think anybody expected to be where they're at. So right now they're looking at themselves and saying, we're doing good. We just need to see more improvement from last year, and I think they're doing that. They're not going to have the number one overall pick. Maybe they'll have a top ten pick, but that guy is going to be an important piece moving forward because Kingsbury is going to gain himself even more of a leash, I feel like, because they were hesitant on him, I feel like, at first, especially with the media backlash. But now they're kind of proving everyone wrong. Um, now let's move on to the big game of the week that we talked about last week. And now I have to basically – I put my foot in my mouth last week, and now I have to – to take it out because I predicted that the Patriots would run away with it and they did not. Um, the Patriots lost the Baltimore Ravens. This was an exciting game, Fudd. What, what is the takeaway you have from it with the 37 and 20 win uh, for the Ravens? Well, one, Patriots, they're, they're not unbeaten anymore for sure. Uh, the Ravens was running past them. He was running past that dominant defense, whether it was Lamar Jackson or Mark Ingram uh, and Hollywood Brown. I mean, all those players, at least in that first half, they were just running past them. 
it was insane. They were, it was, it was like, uh, it was, it was like they had never seen it. And now the thing though, that really did change the game though, in my opinion, and granted Baltimore's offense was doing amazing, but I think it was the Edelman fumble that really changed it all. Because if Edelman doesn't fumble that ball, the Patriots are, I think, I think either they were tying it or they were going up, but that would have been a whole different ball game, but then they fumble the ball and then the Ravens go right down and score. And I mean, that's obviously a big thing that how you beat the Patriots momentum shifts, but it's kind of funny how the Ravens always seem to do it. Right. It's always been the Ravens just in the regular season or sometimes in those postseason games in which like crazy things happen. And it's always the Ravens and the Patriots. Like the, you remember that kick against the, uh, against the Patriots, the Ravens kicker, he just missed it. It was like a chip in. I can't remember his name. Billy Cundiff? Yeah. Was that his name? It's like always bizarre stuff that happens with him. Like Tucker missed one there. A really easy one, even though they win. I think the, I think the Patriots are uh, – and the Ravens have the craziest games. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure the recent record, though, it definitely shows the Patriots win those games. But they're always exciting to watch. Um I feel like in regular season, the Patriots always get that win. But uh, when I think of some of Patriots' kryptonites uh, in the playoffs, I think of the Ravens because I remember several times the Ravens beating the Patriots in the playoffs. Now, granted, the Patriots are there so often. they uh, And they don't really lose, though, but they're there so often. They play a bunch of different teams. But I remember several times, like when the Ravens won the Super Bowl, the last time they had to go to the Patriots. I mean, I, re- I remember uh, so many historic games between them, and although Patriots typically win, Ravens always give them run for Of the, the last six games, of the last six games going back to 2012, okay, well, actually, no. The last seven games going back to 2012, they played twice in 2012. Um, the Patriots have won four out of the seven, the Ravens winning three. Now, the Patriots have won a bunch in 2000, 2004, 2007, 2009. And then and the Ravens' first win was in 2010. And then the Patriots win in 2010. So, overall, the Patriots are eight wins to uh, two Ravens wins mm-hmm. in the regular season. And then two postseason wins, while well, two postseason wins for the Ravens. So really, the Ravens have not done anything except for their four wins, which have been really recently since 2010. Mm-hmm. They've been recent, and uh, I mean, I feel like all four of those wins were uh, important, meaningful games, especially the two playoff ones. I mean, any playoff game is meaningful. No, you're right, and this is one thing. Also, is this is the first win of the Ravens over the Patriots that does not include Lamar Jackson. That's insane. Their first win was with Joe Flacco, and every win since then was with Joe Flacco, excluding this most recent one, which now includes Lamar Jackson. And so if you look at it, basically that's switching the whole tide, right? That's basically saying we've we've found our replacement. We've found our quote-unquote Tom Brady killer. Oh, yeah. Lamar Jackson made it look easy. Like I said, he was running past him. I mean, he made it look easy. Imagine how the Ravens could have did if that was Lamar Jackson playing all those other games because, you know, I think Lamar Jackson has a chance to be the real deal. Maybe not statistically, but once again, in the win columns, he's going to get a lot of them. The thing that worries me about him, he's fantastic. He's so talented. He's amazing. He's spectacle to watch. He's a spectacle to watch. It's the one fact that, like, we're watching with Cam Newton right now is that you can't do it forever, you know, it's always – I think I heard it on Golik and Wingo driving in uh, today, um, or was it Monday probably. Um, you don't hear about many old quarterbacks you don't, or running quarterbacks. You only hear about young running quarterbacks because they don't make it that long. So, you, you know, one missed shot and then maybe it could be over. RG3 was uh, amazing his rookie year, and not that Lamar Jackson is not as – or not better than RG3, but I'm just saying anything could happen. Um, I think that he's fantastic, though. I think you're right. Yeah. Are the Patriots good still? Or have this have they exposed? Have they been exposed? 
No, I don't think they've been exposed. Um, I mean, as everyone said, they played an easy schedule. This is their first real test, and they lost it. But, no, they're still the real deal. That That is a really good defense. Um, I think the Ravens just proved to be better than what everyone had said or thought. Uh, this is just a chip on New England's shoulders. They're going to be pissed off that Lamar Jackson exposed them, and I think they're going to be daring teams to come attack because who do they play this week? Uh, who do they play this week? Uh, I, I believe the Texans, to be honest. New England. Uh, oh, they head into a bye, and they return to face Philly. That's good. Oh, okay. So I know they play Houston soon. They're going into this bye thinking, um, <laughs> thinking about how Lamar Jackson exposed them. They're going to fix every single mistake, and they're going to go against a struggling Philadelphia <laughs> offense. So that defense is going to punch them in the mouth. I think they're going to come out better than they did. The first half of the season. I mean, it's now you the playoff wanna... <laughs> push, and the Ravens look like they're in the playoffs this week. So the Ravens or the Patriots have to step up, or yeah, they might get lost in the wash. Mike Rice or Reese or however you say his name uh, tweeted Bill Belichick as the Patriots in full pads for their lone practice of the bye week. <laughs> it is a chance to focus on some fundamentals that broke down in Sunday's loss to the Ravens. I mean, um, that just kind of shows you just who Bill Belichick is. And I think – I don't think this loss is as bad as people make it out to be. I think it's needed. I think you go – there's been a lot of talk, especially when they they went 16-0, where they didn't really want to go or they shouldn't have because it kind of just got so, like, tedious to – to strive for perfection and just became something that they were focused on more than just winning. It was about, we have to win because we have to preserve this rather than winning is like, we're going to do the smart thing sort of stuff. And it just got so tiring, but the Patriots losing to the Ravens here kind of symbolizes something though, because the Patriots are normally Tom Brady takes over in this situation, but Tom Brady didn't do that. So is Tom Brady, is he done for, Fudd? No, he's not done for, uh, but he didn't look good. I He was overthrowing open receivers. I mean, there's – I remember a couple plays of running back was going out to the flats, and he just overthrew him, and I was like, wow. I know Tom Brady's kind of – hasn't been impressive this season, but I he didn't look like himself. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't – I think he can still ha- lead that game-winning drive to get that dub that'll take him to the playoffs or advance him, but uh, he's not—he's probably not going to be the backbone of this team anymore. Um, oh, they are struggling in receivers though. But heck, when you're overthrowing an open receiver, it doesn't matter who's out there catching it; it's still going to be an overthrow <sighs> pass. That's not wrong. I will say though that one interception that I assume that you're referring to by the wide-open one. That he, that he overthrew? Or are you just referring to him just missing target receivers the entire game? There's there's multiple. Uh, the interception occurred okay. before the one that I'm specifically thinking of because I remember there's one, I think it was James White, he was running out to the flats and he just completely overthrew him and threw it out of bounds. And I remember that was the moment where I was like, he's playing really bad. He's playing some bad football tonight. And I mean, no, that's fair. 53.9 QBR, like that's not very good. No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not something that you look at when you like you're looking at Tom Brady's stat line. Like it's just never really there. It's one of those rare occurrences. And now you start to wonder because really what you've noticed in the last couple of games is that he hasn't necessarily had to been asked to do anything outside of just, you know, run the offense. And the defense has been taking care of a lot of things. And even a lot early on in that game. It looked like the defense was going to take care of things. I think they forced an early fumble. Uh, Mark Ingram, I believe, fumbled it. And it, I remember just thinking to myself, I was like, wow, they did it again, and this defense was so sensational. But then um, I think the Ravens were still up 17 nothing at that time. And then the Patriots come back, but then the Ravens force a fumble back then to the, like I said, the uh, Julian Edelman. I really think that changed the whole momentum to this game. I don't know if you feel the same way, but that was definitely, in my opinion, a huge momentum shift in this game. And I think if it went the other way, maybe the Patriots actually end up winning this game. 
I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Anytime a big play happens, it gives that team momentum. So if he would have made a catch, like if he would have made that catch and got some big yards, that offense would have had way more momentum. But since the defense forced a turnover, the Ravens came out with momentum and they started throwing touchdowns. I mean, it just shows that like turnovers <laughs> are momentum killers, and that's exactly you're what absolutely happened. Right. Right, or the Patriots were trying, trying to stay relevant in that game, and when your best receiver fumbles the football, I mean that it's hard to mentally, it's hard to keep the ship afloat when you watch it happen. Yeah, it kind of, especially as a coach, and in a big game like that, you wonder is this moment too big for that guy? And then even if you know that's a really bad mentality to have sometimes, <laughs> but you can't help it. And then even if you have that mentality and you don't act on it. Sometimes that's just still in the back of your head and subconsciously affects you and it actually changes how you are subconsciously calling the game. I feel like that would have to, I mean, you're a play caller, so you would know like, right. That would have to at least affect it in some aspect. That's, that's the first words coming out of my mouth. I I'm on that. If I'm on the sideline calling plays for a defense, I see an offense jump off sides. I see him put the football on the ground. The first thing I'm screaming to my team is, Guys, we're in their head. Like, keep communicating, keep being loud, keep being smash mouth and rowdy because we're in their head and we're only going to keep being in their head if we take advantage of this. Because a fumble is, or a fumble jumping off sides, that's the first sign that the offense is starting to cave to your pressure. And that, it's not the case all the time, but I mean, when a wide receiver or running back puts the football on the ground, that takes a toll on them mentally. And exactly what you're saying, it's hard to overcome that. So moving forward, both of these teams, the Ravens two games ahead against the Steelers, who, by the way, are 4-4, four and four, have uh, kind of righted the ship a little bit, are kind of flying under the radar a little bit, and might sneak in wild card. Who knows? The defense is playing really well. But the Ravens are up two games to the Steelers. Um, the Patriots have run away with their division. Do the Ravens make the playoffs, or do you think that they might get caught by Pittsburgh and it might be a showdown to the end, towards the end, rather? Yes, the Ravens make the playoffs. I mean, you just watched the game against the Patriots, right? Yes, they're a playoff football team. Um, they also even, lost to the Browns. I, I mean, I, I can see a little bit of your Steelers bias is seeping through because, yes, the Steelers are under the radar <laughs> and they have done some magical things to get some wins, but they're not going to dethrone the Ravens because they're on a freaking warpath, dude. They're on a warpath for sure. Well, I hope you go to hell, and I hope uh, <laughs> that you enjoy it there. So now right. let's move to the night game, which was the Cowboys at the Giants. And the only thing that I really want to talk about, if we could for this old 10, 15 minutes, whatever, is just about the cat. I mean, the cat was sensational. There's a there's a Twitter post. I, th- I sent it to you. We laughed. You loved it. You had already seen it. I really didn't get credit for it, so it was all right. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it was awesome just watching that cat just do cat things on a Monday night. It was like an extra treat. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, it was awesome. It was. I I had a friend Facetime me, just absolutely crying, laughing. Like, Did you see the cat? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> his TV happened to be like. 30 to 15 seconds fast in mind. So at first I'm like, what are you talking about? Like cat. And then, oh my God, there's a freaking cat. And he's, he's running wild on that football field, man. Uh, you know, my absolute, yeah, there's so many funny memes about this. Uh, and they, I mean, they made a documentary. It, it's awesome. But the favorite, my favorite like little uh, video or moment from the cat is uh, when the cat is running out of the tunnel. If you see like the uh, security guard or like the worker there, he, like, starts directing the cat with his hands, like, waving the cat in the right direction. Like, he's a person, like, uh, being directed out to the exit. Uh, that That's my favorite part. That guy, like, the cat comes around, and that guy just instinct takes over, starts doing his job, just, like, starts pointing to the exit. Like, here you go, cat. Yep, this is the way. Yeah. That, I, I, I don't know the cat's name. I hope we can find out. But uh, he's he's living his 15 minutes of fame. Um, all jokes aside, though, this is a hell of a football game. The cat just icing on the cake. The funniest part about this game, in my opinion, was the very first throw 
the, it seems the it seems the Cowboys didn't want to win. Jeez, don't even <laughs> don't even get me started on that first throw, man. Uh, I can go on a little rant about this. I was I I fantasy wise expecting huge things from Dak and uh, and Cooper so that I can win and. Uh, I'm sitting there high hopes. I'm like, yes, they're going to do it. They're going to go off against the Giants. Man, I'm so eager. Oh, he catches a snap. Oh, who the who the hell was he thrown to a linebacker sitting five yards from him? Like, that was bad. Thank, thankfully, he did turn it around. But, yes, that was – I could see from most perspective that that was a comical play. But that play kind of broke my heart a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And I'm a big Dak supporter. It was just like, it was, you, you can't have a conversation with someone who was just critiquing Dak right after that conversation, after that play. <laughs> like, you just lose everything you just were building towards. I mean, I don't know who he was. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish that play because, like, that, I mean, he threw that right into the linebacker's hands. Not even to his hands. Like, he threw it right into his belly and into his lap. Like, that was bad. They fumbled twice. Only one was lost by Randall Cobb. Prescott fumbled one. Now, granted, they did get two recoveries by Darian Thompson and Jordan Lewis. But still, at the end of the day, it's really hard for this team if they're going to do this and I know division games are wacky and they're crazy and they're always weird. Monday night games might even add to that a little bit with that extra day when you just all you have to think about it is that. But still, the Cowboys can't afford this. If they if they falter at all, I mean the Eagles are still on them. And while they did beat them the last time, I believe they have one more game. I think so. Correct? Do you know if that is? That is true or not? I'm not entirely sure about their schedule. I'm not positive either. I could get that pulled up. Um, one of the things, while you look for that, won't you look for that? Uh, one note that I am. That yeah. I oh have, yeah, they do play them late in the week or late in the season. Yes, they are. Where are we saying, again. So yeah, week sixteen. One thing that stuck out to me um, was that Cowboys defense and specifically the turnovers, the three turnovers that they were able to get. I'm like, I was just saying, turnovers, it kills momentum for an offense, for the opposing offense. And, I mean, it just completely brings life to a football team. So, uh, I mean, had there not been so many turnovers this game, it might have been competitive. But the Cowboys took advantage of that. And, I mean, that's why the score is 37 to 18. But if if you actually watch that game, uh, there was – so many moments where I'm like, Giants are gonna win. The Giants are gonna win this football game. <laughs> and then and then it was like that. Obviously in the fourth quarter, Dallas ran away with the game, but up until the fourth quarter, I'm sitting there like the Giants are gonna win. Dak Prescott and Mari Cooper are gonna lose me this fantasy matchup. I might I might cry myself to sleep. I don't know. Not anymore though, because Cowboys thankfully pulled it out. Pulled out the dub. Well, I'm glad that you did not you did not have to cry yourself asleep. <laughs> nah, I don't really care about horrendous. Go Saints. It's funny when you think about it because realistically, like this Giants team just isn't good. And yet they somehow made this a really close game. Now at the end, like you said, in the fourth quarter with twenty one points, it, it looks totally different, but for the whole game it's like, what are you doing, Cowboys? Like, you don't deserve – you're not supposed to be in this. And then it's like really at the last moment they were just like, oh, yeah, you're right, and just took off. And then, then just – does that affect your opinion of the Cowboys at all? Do you now look upon them differently than before? I mean, I'm never a Cowboys supporter by any means. Um, the Cowboys always prove me wrong, though. I go into every game expecting <laughs> the Cowboys to lose because – not a very big fan. However, they proved me wrong. I mean, look at them. They're five and three. Most of the wins haven't been pretty, but uh, no, they're a good football team. Uh, I think, though, they fall into slumps. I don't think they're a dominant football team. They got players that'll make plays, but if they fall into a losing slump or probably a dramatic injury to the offense, I think that team immediately becomes bad. All right. Can I tell you? Who they've played 
or what their wins are, who their wins are against. Yeah. Okay. They have five wins. Their first win was against the Giants. Their second was against the Redskins. Their third was against the Dolphins. Their fourth was against the Eagles. And their fifth was against the Giants. Um, Does that change? Who'd they lose to? They lost to the Saints, the 12-10, which was a close game. But granted, I believe that was Teddy's first game playing quarterback. Yes. Starting. So, I'll give the Saints the benefit of the doubts. However, I'll also give the Cowboys. They held it close, so that plays a part of it. They got blown out by the Packers. It was 34-24 loss. It looks better at the end, but they didn't score till late. And then they lost to the Jets, 24-22. Now, they had a chance there at the end against the Jets. They squandered it. I believe it was some late penalties or something like that that happened. I think it was back-to-back-to-back, something crazy like that that took them out of uh, field goal range, and they ended up uh, losing that game. Or it was a touchdown, something crazy. But I don't really know what to think about them. They're an interesting team, aren't they? Yeah, it sounds like after looking at the win-loss record, it sounds like they can't win competitive football games. Like when they need to step up to the occasion and prove who they are, sounds like they've crumbled. Um, but whenever they can get a bad team on on the field, uh, they take advantage of it. I mean, they have good players, but heck, I'm not I'm not going to bet on them making a postseason run after hearing who they lost to because those are going to be teams that they play in the postseason. I mean, you're not wrong. Well, except for the Jets. The Jets is the most mind-boggling one. I wouldn't be I wouldn't I wouldn't look bad upon them if they lost to the Saints, they lost the Packers, okay? Because the Packers and Saints are good football teams. They're talented, they're complete. They've got all the facets that you look for. A great team to have. The Jets are floundering. This was now granted this was before the whole Jets Darnold IC Ghost games, but still that's that's just mind boggling that, that they lost to the Jets. I just was blown away by that. Uh the Jets are my underdog team of the year. I know I just feel like they haven't had a fair hand or a fair draw. Like week one they looked good and then uh what like they lost Sam Darnold and they were just an absolute train wreck. Sam Darnold came back. I think I think that was when he beat the Cowboys. But that was uh, his first game back. Yes. Yeah, and then and then he had to go against the Patriots. I mean, Patriots made a lot of <laughs> a lot of good teams look bad over the years. So that's it's justified why you saw a ghost. And then, they are a one in seven team though. Hey, they they just. Haven't able to figure it out. They're still my underdog. I think if the pieces fell into the right spots with their current roster, they can be a good team. Uh, the Absolutely. Got, I, I think so as well. I mean, metaphorically speaking, the pieces just got up, knocked off the table and they're having a hard time putting it back together to be competitive. Do you think that it is Adam Gaze's fault? Um, you know, I haven't followed them a whole lot to know if it's like the play calling or the management of the team. I think a lot of it came to they lost their starting quarterback and there was absolutely no depth behind him. Uh, <laughs> Luke Falk. Yeah, so I, I think that four-game span was an absolute nightmare for the team. But once he came back, I mean, they don't look awful unless they're comp- compared to the Patriots. And, yeah, they look awful compared to the Patriots. Well, their problem is that they played the Patriots two times already. I mean, those are guaranteed two losses. Now, they lost to the Browns. It wasn't a pretty game at all. They lost to the Bills, which was a close game week one. They lost to the Eagles, which was not close at all. Then again, to the Patriots, the Jags, and the Dolphins. That's the most damning talk about them at all. But we're getting off topic anyways. We're not even supposed to be talking about these old Jets teams. (laughs) Underdog candidates. I, is there anything else that you want to talk about with this Giants-Cowboys game? Well, actually, here's one thing I do want to talk about. Zeke is back. I've, I've been critical of him lately. I didn't think he was going to be doing as well or been doing as well, but it looks like he's been rattling off some games recently and now he's really starting to find his groove, which can only be attributed to the fact that he didn't have a training camp. Yeah. What do you think? 
Zeke's a durable running back. I think he's only going to get better with the more carries he gets and the, I mean, more playing time he has. He's definitely someone that's going to turn it on in December, and if they ever get a chance in January, he'll turn it on in January. But, you know, he has a slow start in September and August, or, I mean, September, October. So, it's crazy. Zeke, Zeke, he's good. One thing I want to talk about was Golden Tate's catch, that one-hander he had, that Odell moment he tried to steal. I actually think I missed this play. You missed that catch? It was insane. He somehow didn't catch – he didn't score a touchdown on it, but – uh. I mean, to the one-yard line, it was a huge third-down play, and he absolutely one-hand snagged it. It was amazing. Early first quarters when that happened. Well, let me look this up real quick because I want to see this. I did not um, – that's insane. Yeah. It, I typed in Golden Gate rather than Golden Tate. Definitely magical, um, and I'm so glad that happened because – like I said, I was down big in fantasy, so I needed big stuff from Dak Prescott, uh, Mari Cooper, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram. And those four <laughs> dudes delivered it. And they, I mean, it was awesome to see Golden Tate make him play. Wow, play like yeah. That. You're right. I just to saw me, him play. He, he made that catch. Uh, to me, he made that catch to win me a fantasy football game. So kudos well, to him. You are, you've become a fantasy guru. You should totally join our fantasy podcast. Um, we've been having struggles over there, so you should definitely join on that. Hey, send me the contract. I'll sign it. All right. Moving forward, let's look ahead to the Chargers and Raiders game. And this might be one of the most interesting matchups that earlier on in the year that everyone would have been like, dude, I don't want anything to do with this. And now has some pretty great stories surrounding it. The Raiders are four and four, surprising a lot of teams or people rather and teams as they have beaten them. Um, and now you have the Chargers who haven't necessarily had a great start to their season, but are coming off two back-to-back wins and one win against the Packers in which they decimated them. And it looks like Joey Bose has been playing defensive MVP. So what, what, what do you think about this game? Do you think the Chargers are going to win or do you think the Raiders are going to win this game? Man, I, going into the season – the Chargers might have been – obviously, I'm going to say Saints won the Super Bowl, but the Chargers was a team I was a little afraid of. I thought they were going to be firing on all cylinders. Phillip Rivers going out to win himself a Super Bowl so he can go and retire off in the sunset. Um, but I haven't seen that from the team. So, I'm probably going to go with the Raiders winning this game. Um, only to the fact that the Chargers disappointed me five times already. So, they've lost my faith. I'm going Derek Carr all the way. Was it Josh Jacobs, Derek Carr? I want to see that. I want to see them run all over that defense. Josh Jacobs was yeah. a guy that I thought to myself was another Alabama running back. And what has he done? He's proven me wrong. I feel like I've, I feel like I have that happen to me quite a bit. This guy has had 152 yeah. carries. Okay, 740 yards with six touchdowns. He's He's been sensational on the ground. I thought for sure that he was going to be just another guy, like I said, like just another um, Alabama running back. Like Trent Richardson, he's got 11 catches on, or 11 catches for 102 yards, zero touchdowns that way, but has not fumbled the ball at all. So he's been playing amazing. I do think the reason the Chargers, who are sitting at four and five, didn't do as well is because of Melvin Gordon. Do you think that Melvin Gordon, who's been playing pretty well the past two weeks, do you think now he's back in rhythm? Melvin Gordon's type of running back, uh, he needs 20 to 25 carries to be good. You give him 11 to 10 carries, he's not going to make an impact on that football game. But once he starts getting more touches, you see so much more production out of him. So I think play calls going to control that. I think Melvin Gordon is always the running back you expect him to be. I just think he needs the, the workload so that he can produce. Uh, so, yeah, if they're going to keep giving the ball, Melvin Gordon's going to be running a full stride. Is Derek Carr better than Phillip Rivers, or is Phillip Rivers better than Derek Carr? No, Phillip Rivers is better than Derek Carr, and he has so many seasons to prove it. Um, but that, that's one thing. I think Derek Carr is going to play a big impact on this game because – I mean, I love defensive football, so I'm. whenever I see a turnover, I absolutely lose it. 
And uh, if we look at this game in the sense of a turnover battle, like who's going to be turning the football over a lot more, I see the Chargers doing that. And I see that giving the Raiders the momentum they need to win a primetime football game. Now, Thursday night games are always – I feel like they're always defensive uh, – like a defensive game. People don't really score a lot of points. So I, I think the turnovers is going to play a huge factor in it. And I see the Chargers being the one to throw interceptions or put the ball on the ground. I think I agree with you. I think the Raiders win this game. I think the Raiders win this game 100%. Um, the Chargers, I'm not impressed with. I know you said you picked them early. They looked good last year. There's just nothing there. It seems they have no offensive line. I think that's their biggest issue. Now, granted, you know, Joey Bose is really good. Joey Bose is amazing. He, you know, the Bose is, I would imagine being. The Bosa dad, just being like, yeah, I produced that. Just standing back and just being like, wow, I made the two best pass rushers <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, it's just amazing. But I just don't think Joey or Nick Bosa is is what you need only to win. And Phillip Rivers just doesn't have that factor anymore, I feel like, where he can will a team to victory, in my opinion. Now, I could – I will, but I don't think he will. Yeah, um, you're definitely they're definitely gonna need Phillip Rivers to go off to win this game. Like Joey Bosa, he can have a four sack football game, but ultimately if your offense can't put up points and your offense can't put the defense in a position to get stops, then it doesn't really matter who they have sacking the quarterback because they're gonna have so many chances to score. So yeah, Phillip Rivers needs to play a good football game and he can't turn the football over for them to win. So if you had to pick a winner in this game, you said it was the Raiders. How much are they winning by? Oh, it's going to be a low-scoring game. I mean, that's how Thursday nights always are, I feel like. So, I don't know. I, I can see him putting together two scores and a field goal, probably like a 17-14 game. All right. So, it would look like you would be taking the Raiders to cover plus one. It's fair. I don't even know why I need to ask you ask you that. It was plus one anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> um moving forward, we're gonna go to the Sunday night game. Now this one's a pretty exciting one, I feel like. It's the Vikings and the Cowboys. It's now the first real test, and I feel like both of our opinions, especially you now knowing who they played and who they are now as a team. Um, it's it's their first real test, correct? I think that this if they win this, does this change your mind on them? Do you think now they have a um a good win under their belt? Um, no, I, I well, yes, this will definitely be a good win to grab. Um, but I don't know if that is this is like their first real test. I need to see them beat a lot more teams and just the Vikings for me to say they're going to make a postseason run. Um, I already explained how I feel about felt about the Cowboys, so uh, I go into every week not expecting them to win. So my money is going to be on the Vikings this week, and if the Cowboys do win, more power to them. I want to see them be successful, but I'm not I'm not going to be putting my money on them in a big game this year. Um, the Cowboys are favored minus three right now. Okay, and they're five and three. While the Vikings are six and two, is it? Do Do you think they should be favored? Do you think the Vikings should be favored? No, I understand why the Cowboys are favored. I mean, if you look at the power rankings, I'm pretty sure the Cowboys are in the top ten. Vikings might just barely be outside of the top ten, but I understand why the Cowboys are favored. Um, is that how you have it? Is that how you have it ranked in your own? Yeah, I would have Cowboys still as the top 10 football team because there's a lot of pieces there. And um, I, w- I would probably – I'd definitely need pen and paper to figure it out, but Cowboys would probably be in my top 10. I listened to a radio show, and they did a thing where they said, um, well, if they were to win the – if they were to win the Super Bowl, would you be surprised or would you not? So let's do it real quick with a couple teams, Okay. So I'm going to ask you the team, if you were surprised, you say surprise. If not, you say no, obviously. So the Patriots, 
No, not at all. The Saints? <laughs> no way. Saints are going to win it. The Ravens? A little shock factor with the rookie quarterback. Or not rookie quarterback, but young quarterback. The Vikings? Yeah, I'd be shocked to see Kirk Cousins win a title. The Eagles? Yeah, that offense is has been slow, so... I, I would more be impressed that they won than shocked. The Packers. No, they won't do it. What so about yeah, the Cowboys? I'd shocked. Yeah, I'd be shocked if the Cowboys did it. Uh, I mean, Dak would be getting a huge payday if that's the case. So you think neither of these teams in this game are going to end up making the Super Bowl? In fact, you – or do you think that they'll get far in the playoffs? Do you think both of them will make it, or you just think one of them will make it? Uh, I don't think they'd be. I don't think they're going far in the playoffs. No, um, they'll definitely be in the conversation of are they going to make the playoffs? Will one of them win the division? Will one of them snag a wild card? Uh, they'll be in the conversation for it. But once the playoff picture is, well, once it's set, we know the teams that's going in there. They're I'm not. They're not going to make a run for a title. So, my thing is, I think that either of these teams, maybe the Vikings a little bit less, I'm not entirely sold on Kirk Cousins as much as I used to be. Now, I don't think he's as bad as people make him out to be. He's got a fantastic uh, wide receiver core, but he just lost Adam Thielen. And I feel like they're going to rush Thielen out there again, and they're going to they're gonna lose him for the rest of the year. It, he just doesn't scream longevity right now just because, especially as a fantasy owner, I've got to find something to do about him. But if Kirk Cousins doesn't have the amazing receiving threats, he's all he's not going to be super good, as good as he is now. And on top of that, Dalvin Cook has been sensational for them. Just amazing. He has 894 yards and nine touchdowns on 177 carries. He's insane. And do you think that he can continue that production? Because if not, Kirk Cousins and this Vikings team is not making the Super Bowl. I know you said they're not making the Super Bowl, but do you think he can continue the production? Um, I don't. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Cook got injured because he's injury prone. He's gotten injured every season that uh, we've seen the spotlight on him. So no, I wouldn't be shocked. I definitely think the offense is going to take a huge toll. Even though his backup, I'm a very big fan of. Um, I think his last name is Madison. I'm a big fan of him. So, oh yeah, I have him on my fantasy team as a backup. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, an interesting so, guy. I don't think. I mean, he'll definitely be a huge loss to the same team, but they they have a nice guy, uh, a pretty good guy that can carry the ball after him. He. That is the reason that I have him is for just the sheer fact that maybe. Oh, yeah. You got to have at least one handcuff. Uh, I had him handcuffed for a while sitting on my bench, but I don't think uh, Cook will get hurt this year. I think he's playing really good football, and he's going to finish the season in uh, offensive MVP conversation because he's going to have so many freaking yards. All I can say is I've, there's a, I've seen a lot of football. Uh, guys get injured when maybe they shouldn't, um, you know, you wear a guy down and, you know, maybe Dalvin Cook is the guy that precedes it, but he also had, he's coming off an ACL injury. This is his first time having big workload in the NFL. I feel like he hasn't had a full season yet. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do. If he's able, if he stays healthy, like you, like you're saying that he will, if he stays healthy, he gives him a formidable running attack, something that can take the pressure off of Kirk Cousins, allow play action, and when you've got play action and those two wide receivers, and even Kyle Rudolph, who's a formidable tight end, I hope he gets a little bit more formidable because I picked him up on fantasy. Um, but if you if you have those guys with a formidable running attack, you've got a pretty good team. And so Dalvin Cook, I think, is the answer. Um, and that's just kind of my old sense. The defense is really good. Now, the Cowboys, in your opinion, moving forward, they play the – I just had it pulled up right here. So, they play the Vikings, they play the Lions, they play the Patriots, and then they play the Bills. Are they going 3-1, and 2-2, two and two, 
or one and three. I think that's the only option. I don't think they lose all four or win all four. Yeah, they're not going to win all four, no. Um, I mean, the Cowboys are my top ten. Uh, so, yeah, they're going to make those competitive games. I think they're going to be considered one of the better football teams once the season's over. But by not by any means should we be losing our minds over them saying, oh, are they favored one Super Bowl? No, they're not. Uh but yeah, they'll definitely be. Uh, they'll beat some competitive teams. They'll probably beat the Bills, who have a pretty stout defense. Which to me, that that would be an easy win for them. But it, it would show that their offense is, I mean, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, we might be looking at the Bills a little bit differently in four weeks, which is when they play them. Um, maybe the Bills will look as good, or maybe they'll look, look even better. Um, you know how quick quick the NFL can change. So I'm not I'm not I don't remember if you told me did you pick a winner for this game so did you pick the Cowboys or the Vikings? Um, I'm gonna say the Vikings are gonna win it. Yeah, that was one of the first things I said about the game was that the okay. Vikings will pull out the dub. Um, I, I think that's gonna be true. I think it'll be an exciting game. I'm really hoping to see Dak throw the ball all over the field and uh, Zeke run wild, but um, the Vikings will pull it out. I think Kirk Cousins is on the I mean, he's on a mission to prove that he doesn't suck. So, let's see what he can do. I feel like this is the moment where Kirk Cousins does not shine. Um, I don't necessarily think this is his moment. I'm a big Kirk Cousins supporter. But I also think that, you know, it it just doesn't feel right for me. So, I'm going with the Cowboys. Uh, I... I'm not sure if I if the Cowboys are going to win, but I'm just not trusting Kirk Cousins right now. I just don't have a good feeling on him. All right, I'm let's do this. Him. Let's do this right now. Um, I'm betting you, all right, just straight up win-loss. I bet you that the Vikings are going to win this game. Obviously, you're going to take the Cowboys. The loser has to do 50 push-ups, and we'll post the video on our social media accounts. <laughs> let's do it. All right, sounds good. This is a bet, and everyone's um, gonna hear, so they're they're gonna be expecting to see that content on our social media. All right, we'll do it. You can follow that at uh, on Twitter at in white lines, and on our Instagram at white lines underscore podcast, where we'll be yes, posting yes. every single time. We um, can't, we cannot let the great people down. They're expecting you to be doing fifty push-ups. Well, when the Cowboys Wednesday. win. On Sunday night, and I'm drinking myself into a celebratory coma. I'll be expecting that bright and early on Monday morning. Now, let's move forward <laughs> as you continue to uh, – maybe we can bet on this game as well. We can give ourselves a little more exciting factors to it. The Seahawks travel to San Francisco to challenge the 49ers – who are undefeated. Now, the 8-0 Niners are supposed to win this game over the 7-2 Seahawks. Do you see it that same way as the Seahawks are six-point underdogs? Huh. This is going to be a tough game. Um, I don't don't know who's going to win. Because the 49ers, I've doubted all season, and they keep showing offensive, whether it's offensively or defensively, they're going to win a game. But so has Russell Wilson. He doesn't have all the pieces that the 49ers are ha- like have, but <laughs> Russell Wilson's the more experienced quarterback. Um, give me a second to think about who's going to win this game, though. Let's talk a little bit more so I can kind of – so I can kind of think about it. Um. Russell, this is going to be, if the 49ers win, this will be probably a statement game for uh, Jimmy G, I think. Because, like, Russell, him and Russell Wilson I are kind of similar style quarterbacks in the sense that uh, they're going to win you a game. Whether it's a pretty stat or not, usually it is a pretty stat, but whether it is or not, it's still going to be a win in the win column. So I think this could be a statement game for him. Uh, so, yeah. Ah. I'm going to say Seahawks are winning this, all right? And uh, if the 49ers do, it's because Jimmy G plays lights out because Russell Wilson can perform against any defense. It doesn't matter. 
Well, let me tell Except you this. Defense. Let me tell you this. If you are picking the Seahawks to win this game, okay, I have some amazing information for you. Their money line is plus 235. If there's a quarterback that you want for a plus 235 team, it's Russell Wilson or Tom Brady. Those are the guys that open up your eyes and you're just like, wow, this guy is – that's a pretty – those are pretty good odds. I would throw down 10 on that to get yourself some feeling going with it. You know what I mean? And then if you're believing that Wilson wins it, because Russell Wilson is the type of quarterback that magic happens when magic shouldn't happen. It's unreal how good he is. Yeah, I mean, Monday night, all the eyes are going to be on Russell Wilson because they're, they're going to be thinking, are, I mean, is he going to be able to – uh, put a stop to this 49ers hype train. He He's probably the quarterback I would put, want to put on the field to say, hey, go make this defense look bad. Uh, besides Drew Brees, of course, uh, Russell Wilson's going to be the guy to shock the fans. Russell Wilson has 22 touchdowns, one interception, 25,000 yards, 25,000 yards, 2,500 yards. My dyslexia is kicking in. We got Jimmy G with 1,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. What were you going to say? You mean what? Russell Wilson's in the MVP conversation for a reason. A lot of people have him as the favorite. Well, uh, yeah, I think he might. I think he should win MVP, and I don't necessarily think that Lamar Jackson, who people have been necessarily putting in MVP, I don't necessarily think he's in the same category no, simply because no, Wilson. No way. No way. Yeah, uh, I don't, Jackson isn't going to be uh, – he's not going to give anyone a run for their money when it comes to NFL MVP this season. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson is – I know last week we kind of talked about Aaron Rodgers being in that conversation, but from week one to week ten, Russell Wilson has always been in that conversation, and this is going to be his chance to take the ball as a front runner in the, the MVP conversation. He's going to – He's going to perform against the 49ers. He wants to be remembered, whether his team wins a Super Bowl or whether he's got to, um, I mean, carry them there pretty much. Yeah, I agree with you because Russell Wilson, in my opinion, is the prototypical guy that you want a quarterback, in my opinion. The dude that is going to make every single throw, like you said, when needed to be made. And, of course, he's MVP, in my opinion. So, I, I – I, I think he's going to win it. Now, I don't necessarily know if he'll blow away with it. I think there'll be other guys that step in. Maybe Tom Brady will jump back in. Maybe we'll ah. see Rodgers even, you know, make a deep comeback late in. You know, obviously coming off uh, Chargers' loss. It's all narrative anyways. MVP really isn't most valuable. Um, But so you're taking the Seahawks to win this game by how much? Uh Wow, I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe let's go twenty four, twenty one. No, let's go twenty eight, twenty one. Seahawks. Twenty eight, twenty one. Seahawks. All Wilson's right. He's gonna rush to win. He's gonna pass to win. You know, I wish that we could have ourselves a little bet. I came into this thinking that you wouldn't have gone Seahawks. I just can't bet against Russell Wilson. There's too much hype train coming into it. Divisional game. People are going to say, yeah, you're Russell Wilson, but they're the 8 no C or not Seahawks, 8 no 49ers. And that will change a lot of people's opinions on it. And it will just fuel Russell Wilson, who will have some crazy heroic magic late in games. But as always, man, I love sitting and talking to you about this stuff. I'm very excited for these games coming up. Uh, I think that the it just gets better as it goes on. You've got probably the least of the three fit, uh, good ones, the Chargers and the Raiders, as there's not much to go with it. But then you've got the Vikings and the Cowboys, perennial NFC playoff spots, and then you've got a divisional round like we were just covering with the Seahawks at the 49ers. Are you going to enjoy this as much as me, my, my man? Oh, dude, I, I love football. I don't care who's playing, whether it's freaking Pup Warner, Pee Wee, High school JV, I love it all. I, I'm so juiced to be able to watch it, watch NFL this week and see what madness uh, is going to happen. All right, man. Well, 
I look forward to talking to you next week. Hopefully, um, you're posting that video of you doing 50 push-ups so that I don't have to do that. And then um, I'll talk to you next week, my man. Yes, it's going to be a great one. Hey, like always, who dat? <laughs> All righty. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Primetime Previews. If you like what you saw, or heard rather, please like, rate, and subscribe. If you want to see the bet be fulfilled, you can follow us on Twitter at InWhiteLines and on our Instagram at WhiteLines underscore podcast, where we'll be posting all goodies there so you can stay in touch with everything we're doing each and every week. Thank you very much and have a wonderful day.